Hi, everyone. This is Mary Henley. Um, it's good to be with you today for this time and this podcast together. I serve at Helena United Methodist Church in Helena, um, just sort of in the south of Birmingham. So it's good to get to connect for a few minutes and um, glad to get to look with you at Mark 9. And this is called the story of uh, the transfiguration or your Bible may give it a title of the transfiguration, but it is a story about Jesus uh, sort of changing appearance and changing in what they see right in front of them. So why don't I um, pray for us and then we can look at Mark 9. Gracious and merciful Lord, open our hearts, open our minds, open our very lives to what you have for us this day. Amen. So if you have your Bible with you, if you can open it, if you're driving, don't do that. (laughs) Just um, follow along by listening to what we find in Mark 9, 2 through 9. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. So that's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So this story starts out with a lot of benefits for Peter, James, and John. It appears that these three are going to be the ones, the only ones, the most important people to Jesus because he is going to take them up to have this spiritual moment with them. And so here they are thinking, we're the ones that have been picked, we're the ones he has selected. This is fantastic. It's just us and Jesus. This is really cool. And Mark tells us that Jesus led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And to you and I, hearing this today, all these centuries later, we know that that means that there's going to be some kind of theophany, some sort of divine experience because they're going up on a high mountain apart, um, just them. And we know from scripture that that is sort of an indication that there's, you know, we're, we're gearing up for a spiritual moment and a spiritual experience together. And then Mark explains what happened. He was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white such as no one on earth could bleach them. And then Peter, James, and John see Elijah and Moses, and they're talking with Jesus. And I can just imagine this scene. It's sort of like you're sitting in a coffee shop, and you see some other people chatting, and it's like they're just having a nice conversation, and you're sort of over on the side. 
James and Peter and John have this this moment of like, wow, I mean, look at these three guys talk. This is Elijah, Moses, and Jesus. It doesn't get any better than this. I mean, here we are drinking our coffee, and we are watching these three converse. I mean, this is holy. This is divine. This is incredible. We'll never forget this. This is going to change us forever. And then in the next verse, Mark writes, then Peter said to Jesus, And this is one of those verses where I always say, I wish everyone could just highlight, just stop what you're doing and highlight this one line, then Peter said to Jesus. So we need to think for a moment and remind ourselves of who Peter is. We know that Peter is a disciple. We know that um, Jesus called him. And we know that um, his role changes to apostle after the resurrection and the church is built upon so much of what he does. But what's so fascinating is that Peter pretty much always says the wrong thing. So if there's a right thing to say or a better thing to say or a more profound thing to say in any given moment with Jesus, Peter just doesn't do it. (laughs) I mean, do you know what I mean? Like, have you, surely I'm not the only one that's been in this position. Like, you had this moment, you had this opportunity, eyes are on you, and you're ready to say something that's going to make everybody smile or is going to be profound or funny or meaningful, comedic. And in that moment, um, you do your best. And that's sort of what Peter's doing here, except that Peter just always misses the boat just a tad. So before we are too critical of Peter, we want to remember that when we read stories about Peter, we're really reading stories about not just Peter, but the disciples in general. And not just the disciples in general, but all disciples across time and space. We see in these disciples, in these early, this first group of men and women, we see in them the best of who we can be and how we're being called to be transformed. And we also see within them our moments of regular um, humanness where we just don't get it right and we just don't have the perfect words. And so here we go. Poor Peter, (laughs) bless his heart. He says, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. So I think that Peter's intention in that moment is great. His motivation in that moment is great. His desire in that moment is perfectly fine. It makes sense to him in that moment because they're terrified, they're fearful, they're just not really sure what to make of this moment. And Peter tries to speak into the void of that moment and come up with a great suggestion. And he tells Jesus what's good. Now, you and I, so many times in our lives, have a chance to interact with Jesus, to interact with the risen Lord, and it is so easy for us to be the ones to tell Jesus what is up. And, um, you know, if, if the Bible could have sort of, if the Gospels could have like an alarm that goes off in this moment to say, hey, instead of making a suggestion to Jesus, why don't you wait and see what Jesus has to say to you? It's like it's like the an alarm needs to go off. There needs to be an alert that, okay, you're in this moment in life and it's difficult and you're not sure. Maybe even it's a glorious spiritual feeling moment. 
rather than just inserting what you think, how about wait and see what Jesus is going to say? So, you know, anyway, Peter says to Jesus, Rabbi, and he tells Jesus his whole plan. Jesus doesn't actually say anything back. At that point, we read that a cloud overshadowed them, which, of course, again, we know is, is a symbol of the presence of God Almighty. And from the cloud, there came a voice. And this voice was an incredible, an incredible moment of saying, you are here in the presence of the Lord. And this man who will be your savior, who will give everything for you and for the world is before you now on this high, holy mountain. Listen to him. Listen to what he has to say. So many times I think that I have the right answer. I have the suggestion. I like to brainstorm a problem. I like to make a recommendation. But this, it seems, in Mark 9, is a moment in time where that is not what's called for. Instead, what is called for is recognizing that you're in the presence of God. You know, in just a couple of days, we will observe the solemn imposition of the ashes that we do every year in all of our churches. Um, We'll be marked by those ashes, and we'll be told that we are loved by God and that we shall one day return to dust from which we were made. And and it will be this very solemn and stark confrontation and, and moment of realization for all of us. But what's so beautiful about Ash Wednesday is it launches us into Lent. And what's so beautiful about Lent is that it's a 40-day season for us to actually take spiritual stock of our lives, to ask ourselves, are we like Peter, who is full of suggestions and recommendations and ideas, or are we going to, in that moment, recognize that we are called to listen? Are we going to be able to hear the voice of God speak to us through the clouds, through the cloudiness of our days, and be able to hear what he has to say? So we have a toddler. Toddlers are fascinating. They are fascinating creatures. They are somewhere between completely helpless and in charge of the world. They are... (laughs) absolutely beyond adorable and can be frustrating to a parent, especially around bedtime. Toddlers are, um, they've got a little bit of middle schooler mixed in there, but they're also sort of like, you know, this wise person who who seems to um, not get distracted by all the frivolous things in life, but is really zeroed in on some of the most basic and core things like relationship and food and rest and being together. And so a toddler is a fascinating little person. What I've found is that for the past couple years, we have been busy telling our toddler what to do. From really those newborn days, you start um, giving instructions, you start narrating what you're doing, you start saying, now we're going to do this, now we're going to do that, now we're going to get in the car. And then as language develops, you find yourself, I have found myself more and more 
giving her instructions. And these are important instructions. These are things she needs to know and ways that she needs to behave and where to put things and what to do and what not to do. And and it occurred to me as I was thinking about this scripture today, our toddler is now to the point in her toddlerhood where she wants to say things back to us. And I find myself in this exchange with her from time to time where I'm saying, listen to mommy. <laughs> She's saying what she wants to say. You know, I'm saying hang your coat up and she wants to say back to me what she wants to do. And it just sort of reminds me that throughout our lives, we are so prone to exert our agenda, give our suggestions, make our ideas, state our opinions, state our preferences, express who we are. And all of that is good and fine and well. And in fact, I'm glad when it comes to toddlers that that she's doing that. Of course, it's normal and it's good. But I just have to sit back sometimes and think about how I'm saying to her, you don't need to tell me what to do because I'm the mom and I'm telling you this is what we need to do. And so I think we need to ask ourselves as we enter into this holy season of Lent, are we full of our own suggestions to Jesus or are we people who are open to simply listening? Are we going to be able to hear the voice of God resonating in our own hearts, in our own minds, guiding us to make decisions, showing us how to serve, urging us to grant forgiveness, inviting us to live in a life of grace? As important as talking is, and I do see the irony here that I'm talking to you, but as important as talking and discussion and expressing and all of this is, Mark 9 is a beautiful sort of little moment where we see that sometimes we would do best to simply listen to God. We live in a world now where speaking and stating and expressing feels like it's one of the most important, if not the most important things that that people do and that we can do. Um, We have so many ways to express ourselves. We have so many ways to talk. We have so many ways to communicate, and we have ways to persuade and ways to compel and ways to share news, good or bad. But perhaps, just perhaps, when encountering Jesus, the most faithful thing we can do is listen, is listen. In a world that is all about saying and stating and suggesting, perhaps the invitation for you and for me this Lent is to let go and to listen. As Christians, we are people who have the opportunity to be in relationship with God and to let that relationship shape all of our other relationships. When we are able to intentionally listen to God, rather than giving in to that moment that Peter had where, where Peter comes up with a suggestion and Peter tells Jesus what's good, it ought to be the reverse. 
When we listen to God, it impacts all other relationships in our lives. When we experience that communion with our Lord, when we experience forgiveness, when we listen to that divine guidance, when we are quiet before our holy maker, it changes the way we interact with others. It changes the way we converse with other people. It changes the way we think about other people. So as we wrap up here today, first of all, thanks for listening to me. (laughs) And thank you for appreciating the irony that this is a, a message about listening and talking as I'm talking to you. But why don't we ask ourselves just a couple of questions as we wrap up together? First, when is the last time, when was the last time that you truly listened to God? And I don't mean, you know, well, I talked to God about the things I needed or I asked God for help. When is the last time that you intentionally sat and simply listened? There's a time to talk to God. There's a time to vocalize and verbalize for sure. But when was the last time you just sat in the presence of the one who breathed life into you and listened? Are you more prone, like Peter, to fill the void with words? Or are you open to recognizing when a holy moment is unfolding before you, and rather than filling the void, soak in what God might be showing you. And then the final thing that I would leave us with today is just, if you were to listen, if I were to listen more fully, more regularly, more deeply to God, what do we think we might hear? What do we think we might hear? In Mark 9, God said, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. What is it that Jesus needs to speak into your life today, this week, this Lent? What do you need to hear? God, we thank you for the grace that you've given to us this day. And we ask for your blessing as we seek to listen. Amen.